think so. We've been in, um, in the last uh, few days, we've been just doing a seminar here at the church called, I've just been calling it Doing Healing. And the idea is to encourage people to pray one-on-one. Um, I heard uh, in our last national meeting, which, by the way, our national meeting is coming up in Anaheim in July, and that is in your bulletin. Some of that information is there. But in the last one, it was in, um, it was in Phoenix, and um, there was a call, kind of went back out to the vineyard, went back out to the church. And uh, tonight, we'll be covering some of the last of the material that's, yeah, um, and covering it a bit in this five-step model it's just a, a model to help you pray it's it's not anything set in concrete but it's a very useful tool it works and um it, it kind of puts confidence when people pray but they were talking about this model and and diane layman um uh, who's she and her past her husband pastor in champlain illinois um said something that has just stuck with me she said we've kind of watered it down to seven words how can I pray for you now? And building the confidence to be able to do that, to know that there doesn't have to be a special person or a special talent or a special gift, uh, that, that God is already involved in the process of, of ministry, of caring, and that we become part of the cooperative process. We're there to do it. And we've just been trying to take the edge off some of that so that you are comforted by, you know, by these words and, and encouraged by them. So we'll be finishing that tonight. If you haven't been here the last couple of nights, you can still come. We'd be glad, be glad to have you. But um, I'm extracting something out of that that we, we did the other night, last Wednesday night, and um, unpacked it a little bit for general congregation. And um, uh, these notes are on the back of your bulletin. If uh, if you'll check there, you, you can follow along if you so desire. We're, we're talking about, um, the, the question that I began with was, why would God heal? And when we're talking about healing, we're talking about wholeness. We're talking about the whole person, which God is completely interested in. There are, there's kind of a Greek thinking, that, that uh, sort of a Gnostic thinking that has, has been in the church for years that there are parts of us that God cares about more than others. And in other words, you know, my spirit, he really cares about. My body, eh, you know, maybe not so much. But we see in Jesus' ministry something completely different. His approach was much more Hebrew, where the Hebrews saw that, that the whole man was affected. The spiritual man and the physical man were, were connected at, at so many points you couldn't extract them. That if you're not well spiritually, that often it affects you in your relationships. It sometimes affects you physically. And the same thing is true, that if you become physically sick, that often it will begin to affect the way that you look at God, the way that you look at the world. And, and so spiritually, you're affected. So when Jesus ministered to people, we have these great stories, you know, the, of him healing. And of course, we kind of center on the physical healing, which, which uh, I'm, you know, God still does. He's still involved. He still cares. And, and, but, but what sometimes we don't notice in those stories that when Jesus would, would heal someone physically that often they would also be restored to their families. They would be restored to their synagogue. They would be restored to their livelihood. They would be able to return to a life that they had been separated from because of some illness, because of something that had been in their life and that Jesus cared about it all. I was in, um, I told someone this story the other night. Um, I was in a, a, a town called Pesaje, outside of um, another bigger city called Machala, down in the southern part of Ecuador, some years ago. And um, we were preaching in the town square. We had a platform and we brought a band down from, from uh, some churches in Quito. And uh, so every evening we would wait, because everybody, there's nothing else to do. You, you go downtown, you know? And um, we, and we waited till, till the mass was out, because there was a mass every evening, and we didn't want to, 
mess with that. But that also helped put a crowd in the, in the square. And so we, we, the band started up and we, you know, sang and grew a crowd, uh, drew a crowd and we started preaching. Well, at the end of the preaching, we had a group of people with us that we had trained, both American, North Americans and um, uh, Ecuadorians. And uh, I had a guy with me that we brought from, from Costa Rica who was my translator, was our translator. There were several of us doing this. And, uh, and it was just, it, it was wild. It just took off. And the first night, we had a bunch of people come to receive the Lord, but they also brought people who were sick came. And we had trained all of these people to just pray for whatever comes, you know? It's, whatever comes to you is your responsibility. That's what we taught them. And we taught them how to handle it, some of what we're doing tonight, by the way. And they did, and, and people, some people were, were healed. One lady uh, that I got the privilege of praying with was a woman who, whose family was deeply involved in the occult in that city. And all of her life, she had been part of a, uh, a witch coven. Her family led it, and they were very central in all of this. And that night, she gave her heart to Jesus. Well, the next night, she brought her whole family back. The third night, the family brought all of their paraphernalia and all their books, and we burned them in the, in the city square. And everybody in town knew who these people were. That same night, someone saw us, heard us, and saw what we were doing, brought a man who was chained, they kept chained to a bed because his outbursts, his demonic outbursts were scary and frightened people, frightened the neighbors, and they brought him, and God set him free. We had so much going on in that evening. Well, the next day was Sunday. The last night was a Saturday night. And my brother David and I decided to stay in this town because his pastor that was, was sponsoring us had just finished building a church building. And in that weekend, his church had grown three times. He had to go to two services the very next day and then a third service on, on Sunday night because there were so many people. Well, that evening, that Sunday evening, everybody else went back to, to uh, Quito, and so the two of us were there. And uh, at the end of the meeting, we were praying for people, my brother and I and folks there from, from the church were ministering to people, and um, I, was, I was finishing praying again with his family that had come out of the whole witchcraft thing. God had just done a, uh, some miraculous things in their lives. The whole family, the whole family received Jesus as their Savior. The mom was healed of, of something that was going on with her. I mean, just God was there, and you just didn't have to do much. You didn't have to work very hard, you know? It's just like, bless them, Lord, and boom. It's like, sneeze, and people got healed. It was really, really easy. But someone came over and tapped me on the shoulder, and they said, there's a lady over here, and uh, she has never spoken in her entire life and she wants prayer and it was about from here to a little farther maybe than this this wall right here from where I was standing and and um, I finished praying and I started walking and as I turned and I saw this woman standing there she wasn't very big and she had you know everything about her just body language everything just said life has trashed me. And as I walked from here to there, I had something very extraordinary begin happening to me. Several things happened and I couldn't explain it and I had no, I, it, I didn't have a real good reference point for everything. The first thing that began to happen to me was this download. I completely knew her life story. It was as though the whole thing from here to there was suddenly written on a screen and I was reading it and I knew exactly what was going on and all of the abuse that she had taken and, and the people that had used her, she couldn't report it. She had no credibility. She had no, no place to go. No one protected her. 
And I'm understanding this, but while this whole thing's happening to me, at the same time, I am getting a download of such massive proportions of, of I have no good word for it except the compassion of God. He was the one who loved her. It wasn't me. I was experiencing something that was coming from another source than me, and it was overwhelming to me. The third thing that was happening to me was this almost uncontrollable anger that was just taking over. And the fact that the compassion and the anger were all in one package and I couldn't, I couldn't separate them. I was just, this was happening to me. I wasn't asking for it. It was just happening to me. And by the time I got to her, I didn't want to hear another thing. I knew this thing was a spirit that had bound her and had kept her. It had started when she was tiny and was abused. And that in the name of Jesus, you come out of her once and for all. And that all of this worked together. And I realized afterwards, I realized this must, been, this must have been what Jesus experienced every time he confronted this. Tired of what the enemy has done. This was not God's best. How many of you think that you are at this moment living at the very best place God would have you live? The place where he has intended from before eternity. This young woman, she was probably about 30, I think she, they told me she was 32 years old. God was tired and God loved her. That whole experience set her free. I, I told the, the translator, I, I told her, I said, I knew she could talk. I knew she could talk. And I told the translator, I said, tell her to say the name of Jesus. And she did. I saw a missionary from Ecuador a few years ago, and I asked him about her, and he knew exactly who I was talking about. He said she has not shut up since. <laughs> she started talking, and she hasn't quit. Making up for lost time, I guess. Does everybody understand? This is the place where we kind of came to in our... In, in our teaching the other night was how compassion drove Jesus and how compassion is one of those things if we would allow I you know there's a limit to what I can feel there's a limit to what what is embedded in me and but does everyone understand that God has no limits when it comes to his love he has no he, he has no place to go to share it except to you and through you to give to somebody else. And so what we were talking about in this story, and I don't want to just go through this, that compassion, this, this, this element of compassion was a, very often a part of what Jesus did, and it should be a part of what we do. That we become mechanical sometimes about our ministry, and it's no wonder that we don't see something larger occurring in and around our, our lives. So I, I, I've just kind of gotten to that place where I thought, God, just let me be compassionate. Your compassion will tell me more about what I need to know than anything else. You can be very certain. Now, let's just go through this. It's in the notes. Compassion and wholeness. This, I call this kingdom uh, compassion. Um, with Jesus, the message, and the, the message and the miracles were always, they always went hand in hand. They were never too far apart. He would tell, he would preach, and then he would minister. He would minister, and then he would preach. And so these two things were constantly going on. They, they, they were the same story. It, it, and as we look at compassion, we find out what it is, is the manifestation or the action to the words. It's love in action. That's the, it was kind of the, the uh, um, definition that I gave it. Love in action. It was core of Jesus' ministry. We've got a lot of scripture. We're going to keep our, our media folks on their toes today. Matthew 14. This is a typical story of Jesus. Um, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Does everyone know that when, when life comes that, that there's a lot of people looking for it? When, when it begins to descend, when it begins to wake up in a church or in a person, 
people began to find it. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the city. So they started around, started around the Sea of Galilee while he was crossing by boat. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with what? And what did the compassion result in? He healed their sick. So the, so the compassion for Jesus was not just a feeling, but it was a feeling with a direction. It was a feeling that had an end to it. Jesus looked at the people. He, when he looked at them, he was, he was kind of trying to escape them. He'd been with them, uh, he'd been with them a lot, and so he's crossing over to get a little solitude, but, but there's life. People f- walk around the, probably the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, and they come back around waiting for Jesus so when he gets off the boat. And Jesus looks at them, and instead of being disgusted that they'd found him again, he feels the compassion of the Father for them, and, and as he looks at them, he realizes that their needs are very real, that these people are attached to their needs. They are identified by their needs. And so Jesus begins to minister out of that great compassion, and the result is the people get well. Now, let's just go ahead. Compassion is always, has always been a mark of God's presence. I I want you to understand this. When God shows up and and he's he's alive, I'm talking about his active presence. We know that he's always with us. You know, he's always with me. He does not, he, he doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. I don't always sense him. I'm not always that aware of what he's doing around me. But the truth is he never leaves me. But, but when he's in the building, when he's, when he's got a focus on something, a mark of his, of his, um, uh, of his presence is always compassion. And that compassion is always directed somewhere he's paying attention even if I'm not he's looking by the way speaking of healing I, I think our boy's coming home this week isn't he yeah we've got a Aaron has never well Aaron's never been in his house before but he's going home this week and uh, he's no longer going to be in the hospital so thankful 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 but keep praying for our three little girls now that we have the triplets that were born, and they need the same kind of prayer and attention. All right, so it's always been a mark of God's presence. The Old Testament often uses the word loving kindness that, to explain God's attentive grace in a practical display. If you read through the Psalms, you will bump into the word loving kindness all the time. The psalmist, David particularly, saw God's love in action. He saw it in the benefits of his life, and he called it loving kindness. That's a, it's like an Old Testament a translation of a word. We would just say compassion. Compassion has a purpose. Does everyone understand that? Love is sort of a feeling. It, it, hopefully, it has a direction, but, but when it moves over into compassion, it's being moved to do something about what we're sensing. It moves Jesus to minister to the people. It moves him when he senses it. He moves in the direction of that compassion, and God begins to work. So the presence of God has always, there's always been compassion. His loving kindness. I just picked a, a, this one. is just kind of picked out of, of the air here. Uh, Psalms 40, verses 10 and 11. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart, I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. In other words, what you gave to me, I have given to them. Is that what he's saying? Your loving kindness, your truth, what you've been, it's been, it was meant to give away. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Why? Because I gotta have something to give away to other people. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. See, what I like about this psalm is that it wasn't just, Lord, I need to feel secure. Please make me secure. And there's a lot of Christianity that that's the end. That's the end of it. Make me secure. Make me safe. Make my world 
tight and protected and Jesus I will serve you it's not that tidy this the psalmist is saying Lord put it in my life not only for my benefit but for everybody who depends on me everybody who sees me I need your loving kindness in order that I might give it away all right, be there. Loving kindness is why God forgives, heals, redeems, and satisfies. Psalms 103, 1 through 5. I love this psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like, can't quite say it enough. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with what? Loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You think this guy's maybe tapped into something? He sees it's the loving kindness, it's, it's the mercy of God, this very practical display of what motivates the power of God. We, we uh, talked about this scripture in Galatians, six the other night where Paul is writing and he says faith works by what no 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 you're quoting the wrong scripture where are you folks it works by oh love thank you <laughs> rhymes with dove starts with an L uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure some of you were in the meeting the other night what Paul wrote was, faith works by love. In other words, where there's real faith, there's always an element of real love. The kind of love that you can't furnish, the kind of love that he furnishes. See, compassion comes from him. I become the conduit. I, I sense it, I, I get to, to operate in it, but, but true compassion. The human, human spirit is, uh, you know, is available to compassion. I know some very compassionate people who are not necessarily born again. They're good at displaying they, whatever's inside of them. They, they do things that make other people's lives better. But the compassion of God has a certain element of power in it to change what, what I think can't be changed. All right, let's just keep moving. Let's just look at some of the things that it did. Compassion motive, uh, motivated Jesus to heal lepers, Mark 1, 40 through 20, uh, 42. Leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with, everybody just say it out loud, help me out here. With compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Where did Jesus find the source for the healing for this man with leprosy? This man is an outcast. Lepers did not hang out in the general public. He found it in the compassion when Jesus narrowed it, saw it, heard the request, moved for, by compassion like, like I was. I've had that experience a few other times, but like I was for that, that young woman, almost overpowering. I was feeling what God was feeling. It was nothing I had ordered up, no, and I knew it. it. It was not in me. I was tired. That had been a long weekend. And yet God says, you're going to pray the prayer, so I'm going to give you some of my compassion. And he set that gal free. All right, here's a demonized individual that was set free, Mark 9. And he, often he had thrown him. This is that young man. Remember the father brought the son. Disciples couldn't do anything to change anything. He says he often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This father is in touch with what is happening to his son. And, and it's led him to bring this boy to Jesus. What, like the request of the leper, if you are willing. He says, isn't it interesting what the father appeals to? What does he appeal to? 
the power. Bring, bring the power to bear on us, Lord, and set us free. This father is smarter than that because he knows that his compassions fail not. Doesn't the Bible say that somewhere? His compassion fails not, so he comes to him. And, of course, we know the rest of the story, how Jesus prays the prayer, the prayer and he's set free. This is that great place where he says, he says to the father, do you believe? Do you believe that your son can be free? And the father says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Love the honesty of this man. Compassion is what did it. Let's look at the next one. Here's Jesus healing the blind. Matthew 20, 34. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. These are the people, men that had come to him who were blind. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. What was it that moved Jesus to pray? Compassion. Here's one. Raise the dead, Luke 7. It happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd and when he came near the gate of the city behold a dead man was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow what they're, what they're telling you by that information is there is now no one in this woman's life to care for her there was no social welfare system family did it there it, it didn't exist she was about to be she was alone there's a large crowd from the city that was with her and when the Lord saw her he had compassion on her and said to her do not weep and he came and touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still and he said young man I say to you arise so he who was dead sat up and began to speak and he was present he presented him to his mother and then fear came upon them all and they glorified God saying a great prophet has risen up among us and God has visited his people and this report about him is throughout all Judea and the surrounding region this is an interesting I, I like uh, you know these are great stories but I like the details sometimes the life's in the details Jesus has compassion but for whom does he have the compassion for mom it's mom who's who's in sorrow it's mom who is in pain it does say a compassion for the young man the the miracle comes out of his compassion for this mother who is now alone I think one of the worst things some of you have experienced this one of the worst things in the world is to have to bury a child I do not know of anything in all my years of ministry and the funerals that I have done the worst is when a child is involved but here's a mom who has no one besides Jesus is moved by a deep compassion there is a well I told the group the other night I said this is one of the best indicators of what God is doing that you'll ever know when you begin to sense compassion about anyone and this has happened to you. It's probably happened to every one of you at some level within your family. Or have you ever just even been in the store and somebody has caught your attention? There's no real reason that they should have caught your attention. But as you are looking at them, something is beginning to well up inside you. You're having feelings. Now, it's not, you know, it's not popular to, to talk about feelings, but I don't know what else to call it. You're having, you're, you're being attracted to this individual and this, and this attraction has got, uh, has got the element of compassion. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? Am I just shooting the breeze? You know, just hanging it out there. You know what this is like. You've had it for a neighbor. You've had it for a friend. You've had it for one of your own kids or kids for a parent but something's coming up in a sort of extracurricular you know it, it, it you didn't expect it what I told the group the other night is whenever that happens the very next thing you ought to do is ask what do you want me to do with it because that is what compassion is for it has a point it has a direction now, if you want to get engaged in some ministry and you're willing to take the step, 
Um, whenever I've, I can honestly say I've always been obedient to when this happens to me. But when I have acted on it, I have never been disappointed. I don't know the outcome. I don't know if there's going to be fireworks, you know, and, and, and glory comes down. And, and you know, the, the, here in the, the aisle uh, at Walmart, we're having a, a little miniature revival. Usually it's not quite like that. I don't anticipate what God wants to do. I just anticipate that he's being compassionate and I get to be part of the of the party so when you begin to sense that don't let it stop there in fact take a deep breath and say God what do you want me to do about this and then the question you ask is how can I pray for you now I have I've only been turned down one time where I had somebody who said no I don't want you to pray for me it was in a public deal like get away from me you know what I'm still standing I'm still breathing whatever they thought I was or wasn't I you know it didn't hurt me but I know that I sensed something of God directed at that individual and I, I just acted on it when you sense the compassion of God, do not ignore it. God is up to something. Maybe it's a quiet thing, you know. You just follow him around praying for him, you know, an hour in Walmart. You know, you don't know what to do, but don't let the compassion just lie there. See, here's what I think. I think that what we've been reading about Jesus was a model for the way the rest of us have always meant, were, were meant to be. We were meant to respond to the compassion of God. We were meant to be conduit for the compassion of God. We were meant to be partners with the compassion of God. But there are so few believers anymore that know what it's for, so nobody acts on it. I shouldn't say nobody. I'm trying. And there's others among us that I know this is a part of your world. You're looking. And when you sense it, you begin to act on it. I don't have all the answers. I don't have magic prayers. I don't know what to say. Sometimes, you know, um, sometimes I don't even really know what the compassion's for. I'm just pretty sure. Uh, we were downtown along the river. And... Uh, I walked up to the railing and I just happened to look down at this guy who was standing there and he had his foot up on the railing and was just sort of, you know, like this, bent over looking at the river, the kayakers. But when I looked at him, I felt this overwhelming sense of loneliness. He didn't have a sign on him that said, boy, am I lonely. Please, please pray for me. What he had was a God who was interested in him and, and he let me in. So I'm going, okay, I see that the guy's lonely. Thank you, Jesus, for sharing that with me. <laughs> see, I knew, there was, I knew that, I, that I saw it because there was some obligation in it. As I start walking towards him, that's when the compassion comes. Now, all I've really got on this guy is he's lonely. But by the time I got to him, I knew, I knew several things. This was just a Holy Spirit download. It was just a... A clear, you know, it just if you do it, you get it. If you don't do it, you don't. But as I'm walking over there, I understood. I knew several things. I knew that he was not from Reno. I knew he was here by himself. And I knew he was in the middle of a divorce. Those things I knew about him. I don't know how, except that the Holy Spirit knew all that about him. And I had enough, you know, my in antenna was up enough. But what was at the root of all of that and that information? Why did I need that information? Because it was, uh, you know, because I am like really super spiritual and you are so fortunate to be here to hear these stories this morning. You just, you picked the right place this morning. You know what? It has nothing to do with being super spiritual. It has a lot to do with being available. I said, all right, I'm going to go over and have a conversation with this guy. 
I, got, I get lonely. And I'm walking, I'm starting to feel this thing of compassion. God really cares about where this guy's at. Now, I could have ignored that, but I thought, better not, lest I be lonely. <laughs> you know? So I walked over and said, hey, how you doing? You know, and started talking to him and just invented, I don't know what I started saying to him. I said, I hope you forgive me. I said, sometimes this just happens to me. But I said, I just have a feeling that you really are alone right now. I said, this is nothing weird. I'm just, you know, <laughs> hi, guy. And, uh, you know, there's nothing weird going on here. You know, just, I, I said, I just, sometimes this happens to me. So could, I said, I, I just have a feeling that you're here, you don't live here, and you're from, you're from out of town, and that you're in the middle of a divorce. And this guy starts to tear up. And he said, that's right. He says, I, I, um, I live in Las Vegas. My boss sent me up here to do a job. I'm out in Fernley. I just drove into town today to, he said, I didn't know what to do. He said, and I said, well, how about the divorce thing? He said, yeah. He said, my wife just has gotten out of jail a third time. And he says, I can't do this anymore. And um, he said, I, the last time I came, told me the story about family and finding her passed out on the couch and the baby on the roof. And, um, and he just said, that's the end of it, you know. And so, but by this time, how many of you know I've got his attention? I've got his attention. Well, Jesus has got his attention. I just got to be there. Now, I know God wants something on this guy because I know God is being compassionate right now. Everything I got was because, not because, because God had a winner in me. Everything that was happening was because God cared about him. So I ended up praying with him. I'd like to say that, you know, I'd like to say that I led him to the throne of grace. You know, I took him as far as I felt like I needed to, to take him. That's all I knew. I felt the thing lift. I felt like I was done, and I felt he was starting to get a little uncomfortable, so I took off. Folks, you would have, I would have these encounters if we just paid attention to what God cares about. You can't care about the whole world. You know, I mean, not, not this huge, overwhelming thing. But you can, you can care about the part of the world that God cares about right now. I told you about having those wristbands. Instead of the, what would Jesus do? You know, the wristband said, W-I-J-D, what is Jesus doing? That's what we all ought to be wearing. And we ought to be watching and say, God, what are you doing? Here I am. You know, I'm in Smith's. What would you like the kingdom to be in Smith's today? Maybe all he wants you to do is, is go over and, and, uh, and pick out cucumbers. Maybe it's no bigger than that. But maybe, just maybe, somebody needs to cross paths with the compassion of God. Let's just finish this and we'll do it easily here. Um, he feeds the hungry. No, he raised the dead. He feeds the hungry, Matthew 15, 32. Now, Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me for three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. We don't need to do the rest of that one, but what, ha what happens? Jesus feeds 4,000 people from, from some loaves and fishes. It's a miracle of the duplication of matter, <laughs> digestible matter. It's a miracle. We just, you know, we read that story and we say hallelujah. But what was behind the miracle? He had compassion on them. All right, let's read the next one. Offering redemptive instruction. I didn't give this one to you the other night. Um, Matthew 6, 33. This is a great one. It's, this is Mark telling another, uh, uh, another very similar event in Jesus. This is the feeding, um, the feeding of the 5,000. Mark's version said the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities and they arrived before them and came together and Jesus when he came out saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd what did the compassion do this time for him so he began to teach them many things amazing that teaching can be the result of compassion I think this needs to be the heart of pastoral ministry right here 
you know, that God cares and therefore I care. It matters, therefore it matters to me. And if I could tap into that, if, if that could be the thing that um, drives me, um, you know, ignorance and compassion. Let me just read this scripture to you. We don't have it. This is Hebrew 5, Hebrews 5, 1 and 2. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. Compassion makes me go after the one that are the sheep that, that are, are, are going astray, the ones that are wandering. They have no shepherd. Compassion drives it. All right, let's just do this last one. Tell, it helps Jesus tell the truth. Okay. Oh, no, you don't. Well, let me give it to you. It's Mark 10, 17 through 22. Um, Jesus is out on the road. One came running to him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Who, you know the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, do not bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, one thing you lack, go your way, Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and take up your cross and follow me. You know, this is a story. I've always, this story always makes me uncomfortable. The young man leaves. He's sorrowful. It says he's very sorrowful, but he also has an awful lot. Jesus cut to the chase. He wasn't making a general pronouncement about wealth. He was talking to this one young man. And he knew that if this man was going to follow him, that sooner or later he was going to bump into the largest idol in his life. And the largest idol was the wealth and the influence that went with it. And so Jesus just cut to the chase and he told the young man the truth. He said, you've got a good heart. I sense it. I, I sense it. I'm standing here. And Jesus is saying this out of love. He's saying it out of compassion. He's not just excited to be able to straighten out one more human being. He says to him, sell what you have. He tells him the truth. He said, because if you don't sell what you have and give it to the poor and then follow me, you're always going to have this anchor around your neck and you'll only serve me halfway. Jesus answered his question, didn't he? See, compassion will make you tell the truth. Paul would write later, he said, make sure you tell the truth in love. A lot of people like to tell the truth, but they don't, they don't do it in love. A lot of people want to love people, but they don't want to tell them the truth. What we have to do is this combination of both. These last two questions that are on here, compassion is the only legitimate reason to do any ministry, including pray for the sick. Any ministry at all. I moved with compassion. It's difficult to find people who are excited about praying for the sick. I, one of the things I said the other night, and it's true, when we pray for people, we don't pray for a condition. We are praying for a person. The kid, condition just happens to be the thing that we're dealing with right now. I'm not praying about that sickness. I'm not praying about that mental situation. I am praying for this person that God loves. We said in the beginning that everything that God, everything God does comes out of who he is. The last, the last one on here says, God's compassion, compassion answers the cessationist uh, arguments. Who are the cessationists? Everybody there should know these, the answer to this. Come on. Who, are the, who, who would be called a, a cessationist? People that teach that the miracles are over, God no longer does these things. Here's the problem with that argument. What you're telling me is that God's nature has changed. That what drove Jesus to make people well, to restore them to their families, to, to comfort the, the mother who had lost her son, to feed the hungry, 
to tell the truth, that the, that the character of God has now changed and he no longer does these things because it was the direct, it was the direct contact of the, of the compassion of God that got these people whole. And what you're telling me by telling me that all this has ceased, you're telling me that God, I can no longer trust the compassion of God. I can no longer trust the nature and character of God. And that can't possibly be true. So the worship team, if you guys had come. Um, God's character simply has not changed. He still, he still forgives. He still heals. He still restores. He still takes the lonely and puts them in families. He still, he still makes me useful in the kingdom. He still gives me new eyes to see my past with. So my past no longer has the power it once had. The stories change their meaning for me because now I look through the eyes of one who has compassion. My future has a whole different light on it because I know the one who has, has designed it, the one who's called me to that future is a compassionate God full of mercy full of loving kindness. And now I am the cooperative one. I am the one who gets to be a part of that. That's kind of what we've been teaching people the last few days. You're welcome to come tonight if you like. Uh, but we'll do this. This, by the way, is gonna be available on a podcast and you can get it in a CD. If you don't do podcasts, we'll have it these evenings. Hopefully we, we got most of uh, Friday nights. Um, we had a little, some technical difficulties, but got them squared. So if, if this is of more interest to you, uh, you, can, you can do the whole thing. I do appreciate those who have been coming, though. We've had a good time. Had a wonderful time in God's presence. So let's stand. We're going to worship. If you need ministry today, don't wait for somebody to find you. We hopefully will notice, but we might not. Sometimes people came to Jesus, didn't they? few of them sneaked up on him. Healed one lady. Jesus never even saw her coming. He just, she, she got hold of his garment and she was made whole. But for the most part, people brought their sick. They brought their illness. They brought their challenge to Jesus. Or somebody brought them to Jesus. And this morning, while we're talking about healing, if you've got something and you really would love to have it addressed in the kingdom with the compassion of God, don't walk out of here. There are people who just love to pray for you and, and love to, to give to you what God has given to them. So we'll just make this open and, or tap. There's people all over this building that know how to pray. Tap someone and say, would you pray for me? I need prayer. Let's worship for a few moments as we close this service. And um, if you have any need at all, maybe just want to meet this Savior. You're, you're, you kind of don't, you're not there. You, you haven't been there, but you need to meet him. What a, oh, what a wonderful morning for that. Oh, what a beautiful morning. And we would love to pray with you. Find me, and I'd love to, love to pray. So let's, let's come before the Lord with worship again. Let's be appreciative of this kind of personal grace that's been activated for me and for you as we just worship and thank Him again. My delight is him because, in Him because His delight is in me. I do not have to get God to care about me. I don't have to talk him into it. I don't have to perform. There's not a thing I can do that's going to draw his attention to me in any, any greater amount than he already is engaged with me. He cares about me. I am on his radar. And that is true of every other human being on the face of this earth. There is no one that you can confront, run into, have a conversation with who is not already somewhere in, God, in God's attention. He already knows. He already has compassion for them. He already loves them.
what I get to do is begin, is begin to cooperate with what God already cares about. I know he's not going to let me down because I know he loves me. But as I minister to others, I have a lot of confidence, not because I, you know, I've got such great faith in my, in my ministry abilities, but because I know I am cooperating with a God who cares a lot more about this person than I do. And even if I fumble a bit and I don't have all the information, I know the God who does. And He is the one. He is the one whose compassion begins to draw people to healing and healing to people. He cares about me. He cares about them. Those encounters are valuable because they can be moments of revelation where people begin to see a God who cares. I still pray for that lonely guy at the river when I think about him. I have no idea where that's going to take him. It doesn't, I, you know, it's not up to me. But that that man will never be able to say that God does not care about him. He had an encounter that there's no good explanation for. Just some guy was paying attention. That's all. That's your world. That's your world. If you need prayer, ministry, Please get it. Don't walk out of here if you need it. We'll be praying again tonight if you want to come. Tonight, probably a little more intense. So uh, if you want prayer, 6.30 this evening. Father, we're so grateful just sharing your presence with us today. Our lives are not meaningless. Lord, they have incredible value. They have purpose. They have direction. Because you, Lord, care about me. I am significant so significant Lord you pull me into the world of your compassion you share this greatest Lord of all of all gifts sometimes Lord I get to walk in and I get this sense that I get to be a part of it and you and me Jesus we get to team up you do all the work but I get to be there so father convince us if we're not convinced, Lord, convince us that you are a compassionate God and that's what makes you move. And then God, I pray we begin to figure out that we can become, we can become vessels for this. We can become the pipe that you begin to run your compassion through to change others. Jesus, you just never stopped. The whole time you were here, you had compassion on them and you healed them. You had compassion on them and you, you set them free. You had compassion on them and you fed them. You had compassion, Lord, and you told them the truth. We're so grateful, Lord, that compassion works the miracle in which I can't function. Lord, I, I thank you it's true whether I feel it or not. I just thank you, Lord, that we get the opportunity to help us to pray and you give the compassion. We bless you, Lord, in the week that's ahead of us. We thank you again, bringing us safely here. Pray for those that are sick in our church, Lord. We're just so grateful that Aaron is coming home. Lord, that answer to prayer, keep him strong and healthy. Lord, we pray for our three little girls. That, Lord, they too come, become strong and are able to come and meet the rest of this family. We bless you, Father, for the goodness that you've shown me day in and day out. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for my salvation. We bless you, Lord, for all that you have provided. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.